0: Well, Chris, I can't wait either, buddy. So this is this is going to be really, really a, a good time. I can't wait for for April the tenth to get here. If you have your copy of God's Word, turn with me to Romans chapter sixteen. Romans chapter sixteen, and we're going to finish as we kind of push towards the end of the book of Romans. Paul has has concluded his main portion of thought, but now we're we're going to run into this long list of names. And I'm going to do my very best to pronounce each of them correctly. But uh, what I want is to see is, for the most part, when we look at a, a chapter like this, this is the kind of chapter when you get to the end, you're just like, I'll just go to the next book. Rather than try to read this, or I may gloss over it once. But I think Paul has some really important truths for us this morning that are going to Encourage us. I think that are going to and challenge us. Actually, now, I remember as you turn to to Romans sixteen. I remember the first time that uh, that I moved away to college. There have only been a couple of times in my life that that I was kind of uh, had a sleepless night and because of nerves and anxiety. One of them was the night before I moved to Chattanooga for school, and and, and so like I'd never stayed a significant portion of time away from home, and so I just remember having this, uh, just this visceral reaction to, to doing that, and it was, it was not something that, that I processed with a bunch of people, but it was something I very much was processing, and that night all before, I was just nervous, we going crazy, my mind just kept running, and you probably have been there before. The other time that, that I very much remember was the, the, the night before Lauren and my, my wedding, and so it's just like, oh boy, what is happening tomorrow? <laughs> oh dear, what what am I what am I doing? This is going to be awesome, but I'm also incredibly nervous. And the commitment level is a really big deal. And am I ready for such a commitment? And and the answer was yes. But those nerves kind of tend to happen. And I I remember that staying away, uh, you know, g- going away for a period of time that that was a really difficult thing. I remember missing. Deeply missing my, the comfort of my home and the comfort of my mom and the comfort of my sister. And so during the midst of that first semester especially, a simple note or a package or a, a phone call was a really big deal. Especially when it came from, from, from their end. Because I would, I would call and that kind of stuff. But a, a simple note or message meant a really big deal and brought me a, a great deal of comfort. And it's because the, the reason we're so nervous in these kind of scenarios is because each of us have a great desire to be, to be loved and to be comfortable and to be welcomed. We have a great need for community and a great need for one another. And so it, we have a lot of transplants in here, people that have moved into the city that, that aren't Chattanooga lifers. And you probably remember what that process was like moving into a new city or trying a new church. we got a lot of college students in the room. And you've had to try new churches. And walking into a brand new church is really intimidating, isn't it? If you're a first-time guest, coming in by yourself or just with a couple of you, it's pretty intimidating. You don't know where to go. You're kind of all the, all the time, you know, acknowledge the fact that you're, you feel out of place. And it's really difficult. But Paul is going to show us something that that we all have this same desire for love and acceptance. And we find it in the gospel. We find it in the gospel. And that we are made actually for one another. And so Paul actually, or the the book of Genesis actually shows us this. The the very order of creation shows us that we were made for one another. Genesis 2.18 says this. Then the Lord God said... It is great that man should be alone. It is good that man should be. No, it says, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. The only thing in God's perfect creation, as he looked at his beautiful work of art, the only thing that we see in Genesis that he says is not good is that mankind was alone, that Adam was alone. Now, why do you think that is? Because Adam was formed in whose image? In God's image. And what is God? God is a triune, eternal community between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in in order for man to perfectly and actually show the true image of God we had to have a helper of our own kind. And so Paul, or Genesis shows us that we were made for one another. We need one another. Now, that's a very different kind of feeling coming through a, a global pandemic when we were isolated from one another. We saw that, that I saw some stuff from Barna. They do religious research. And it's saying that Americans, for the most part, have never been lonelier. We're more connected than we ever have been through social media, through TV, through, you know, we can be connected in an infinite amount of ways, but we are lonelier than we ever have been before. What an odd disparity. But but in the gospel, we see something great about what Paul's going to say. That in finishing his letter here in Romans chapter 16, he is going to express his own love and warmth for the church of Rome. He's going to send his greetings. And he's going to tell about each of these individual members that, that he loves. But not only that. Is he's going to challenge them to, to participate in this love. So he's going to welcome them and show them that this is a warm and loving family that we are involved in as the church. But then he's going to challenge them to participate and cultivate this area, this, this connection of, of unity, this connection of love. The Romans, no doubt, as we've seen, were a broken family. They, they had different ethnicities. They had uh, different preferences, different preferences. And there was a lot of friction that was going on. But Paul wants them to know that in the gospel, they were family. And they're loved. And you and I, in the gospel, because of what Jesus has done, we're family. And so this is what I want us to, to see this morning as we look at Romans chapter 16. And when you get to verse 1, say a word. I commend to you our sister Phoebe a servant of the church of Sincrea, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you. For she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Greet Prissa and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Epenetus; Epin- who was the first convert of the, to Christ in Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Stachys, Greet Apellus, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Greet my kinsman Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those workers in the Lord, Tryphena and Tryphosa. Greet the beloved Persis, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord. Also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermas, and the brothers who are with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. Here's what I want us to, to, to learn this morning. The, the main truth that, that I want you to get and catch to take with you, and, and don't miss this, church, is this. That in Christ, that when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, you are welcomed into and are now responsible for welcoming into the family of God, into God's family. You are welcomed into God's family And now, as Paul shows us, by calling each of them to greet, that they are to welcome into God's family. We're responsible, as members of God's family, to now reciprocate this and welcome others into the family of God. And we're going to see this in in three ways. He's going to describe this family, I think, in in three ways. God's family first is that, that we are a big family. We're a big family Now look at again at verses 1 and 2. He says, I commend to you. Basically, I'm putting forth, I'm writing this letter to you that our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church of Sincrea, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints. There's a manner that is worthy of the saints in which we are to welcome people. And he says, help her in whatever she may need from you. For she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. We're a big family. Uh, Growing up, I I grew up with uh, lots of extended family, particularly on my mother's side. And every Christmas, a week before Christmas or something like that, we would get together at, at some type of church somewhere in, in the middle of Morristown, just out in the backwoods of Morristown, Tennessee. And we would, we would get together and we would have this really big Christmas family reunion. And I loved those family reunions because this is, this is how, you know, like we were just such hillbillies. Like everybody would bring kind of a potluck, and we would have Little Caesar's Pizza. We would have pinto beans and cornbread. We would have KFC fried chicken. It it was like the bountiful harvest that's on uh, the Talladega Nights. Like it was just, it was just this great bountiful harvest that we got to thank the Lord for, and it was delicious. And we would get together, and we, you guys probably have had family reunions like this, and you get the crazy aunt, the crazy uncle. Sometimes we would play basketball. Uh, and, and until they got too old to do that. And so then it was just me and a couple of cousins that could play. And, and so we, we would do all of these things. We would do the dirty Santa gifts and, and all of these types of things would, would bring our family together. And there was a unique spirit in there that, that kind of showed us that, you know, it doesn't matter how long we've been apart. There's a kindred spirit here. There's a, there's a blood kinsmanship here that, that can't be broken. That we're family. Paul is saying that that there's this lady, Phoebe, who is a servant or or a deaconess, if you will, at the church of Sincrea. That Paul is known for an extended period of time. And he's he's sending her uh, along this way to the church of Rome. And he says that because we are family, church, I want you to welcome her as you would welcome me as you would greet anyone else that you know, that you would take care of her, that you are responsible for welcoming her in a way that's worthy, he says, of the saints. What is a way that is worthy of the saints? It means that, that we look out for them as we look out for ourselves, that we prioritize their interest, their comfort, their preference, even over our own. He's, he says that, that this is something that you are called to do, now, we're a big family, but we're not a family that's that's born because of our heritage. We're a family, church, because we are sinners that are saved by grace in Jesus Christ. Right? There's nothing about... I like to kind of think of the church as a, as a band of misfit toys. Right? All of us are, are broken on, on some level. None of us are, are the best at pretty much anything in the world, but you know what? We're loved by Jesus, and we love Jesus, right? And we're working together to, to, to pursue Jesus. And so we're a, a big family, he says. And they were to welcome Phoebe as their own, to provide for her as they would their own family. As we will see through this, if you count, there were nine people that were kind of with Paul, And you you see this in 21 through 24 as well. He continues that. So there are 33 names mentioned in this chapter. Nine were with Paul. 24 of them were in the Roman church in some form or fashion. And the beauty is, even though we're a big family from a lot of different places with a lot of different backgrounds, we're family. And so we ought to treat each other. Paul challenges us to see each other not as acquaintances, not as people that we just share space with, rub shoulders with, but family. One that look out for each other. That when you see somebody going down a a way that they shouldn't go, that you reach out and you grab them and pull them back. Just as you would a kid that is beginning to cross the street without looking both ways. This is, and we must know one another. So we are a a big family, and the beauty about Christ's family is that there's always room for more. And so we are welcomed. You are part of Christ's family, you are a part of this church family. You were loved by your pastoral staff, you were prayed for by your pastoral staff. But the call for each of us is then to reciprocate that. Same notion and to pray for and love and welcome others, even when it's outside of our comfort zone, even when it's uncomfortable. So we're a big family. Paul then says in verses 3 through 15, I think he shows us that we are a very diverse family. Not only are we a big big family that spans different cities, continents, even different times, but we are a diverse family. And the first way we see that, Paul describes that we're diverse in background. He says that we're diverse in background. Notice all of the names that, that he lists. And I'm not going to read all of them again. But he, he, he talks about a lot of different types of people. Prissa and Aquila. He says, Apinatus, There's Mary. There's Junia, Andronicus. There's Hermes. There's Herodian. There's all of these people that, that Paul names and knows by name. Now, why is that important? Uh, I learned when I was doing ministry to, to uh, people that were downtown that were homeless, that in life, if every other manner of dignity and enjoyment was stripped away from you, the one thing people always had that they could hold on to, that they would be known by, was their name. Names are really important. Um, and, and, and so it would be one of those things where if I remembered their name on a week-to-week basis, they would begin to light up. They would trust me. They, they knew I cared for them. Paul knew. He knew these people's names. It indicated that he saw them as valuable. Last week, Noah talked about the fact that Paul had a heart f- as a, of a minister, right? That, that he's, he, he was changed by God's grace, that he was sent by God's grace, that he did so through prayer, he did, did so through strategy. But I want you to know this, Paul's zeal, his ministry's zeal didn't take him away from people his ministry his zeal for ministry and his zeal for the glory of God actually took him closer to people if if everything becomes too academic for us and becomes disconnected from people then then we've lost the point paul's love for god pushed him to love people to know their names to know their stories And the crazy thing is, is he hasn't even been to Rome. (laughs) These are some of the people that he's known beforehand that may have moved to Rome. But some of these people are just people he's heard of. Look at, Paul was himself a Jew. But in this section, there's women, there's men, there's Jews, there's Greeks. There are even some Latin names here. Mary was a Jew. Hermes was named after the the herald of the gods in the Greek pantheon, but you know what he was now in the family of God? He was a herald of the one true God. And so it's amazing. These people represent real people in real time. And so it's like your name would have been written in this book. He even speaks of the family of Narcissus, who is a man named after, uh, in Greek mythology, the, the person that fell in love with looking at himself. He fell in love with himself. He was self-absorbed. He was self-centered. He was self-focused and self-satisfying. But in Christ, you know what happens? Christ calls us to live the complete opposite way, to be in self-denial, to be focused on others to be focused on Christ. So he follows the God, his family follows the God of self-denial now. And their name is now not just what they were, indicating of their past, but it now indicates that they are beloved in Christ, that they are a friend of God. I don't know what background you come from, You may come from a wealthy background. You may come from a a really difficult background, a a home of abuse or great dysfunction. You may come from a house of divorce. You may come from a, a family that was religious. You may not come from a family that was religious. What Paul shows us here is it does not matter our background, but in Christ, you are fully welcomed and fully accepted into God's family. That's really good news. And I pray that as our church continues to grow, that we continue to involve and invite people from a variety of places with a variety of different looks that look like, don't look like us, that don't think like us, and that we're challenged by that. But that we're called to welcome them and love them in the way that, that Paul does. And notice how Paul describes his friends. Look at look at all of these ways, and you can even underline them. Paul describes Phoebe as a servant of the church, or as I said, a deaconess. Uh, d- depending on how you take the language of the New Testament, that it could be a, a re- That's this is one of the reasons why some people would say women deacons are uh, something that can happen within the church because this word means deaconess. So she was from Sykia. A patron of many. Look at Prissa and Aquila. They were fellow workers in Christ Jesus who risked their necks for his life. He talks about a as his beloved, the first convert in ministry or in real life. You will never forget the name of the first person you led to Christ. Mine's sitting right over there. Wave to everybody, Scrubby. <laughs> You never forget. Paul didn't forget. He loved him. Look at, at how he treats Andronicus and Junia. He calls them my kinsmen, my blood, and my fellow prisoners. They've suffered with him. Greet Impliatus, his beloved, Urbanus, his fellow worker, his beloved Stachys, Apelles, who was approved in Christ. Rufus, who is chosen in the Lord. Now, this Rufus may have some history because we see somebody named Rufus with Jesus or around Jesus during his crucifixion. This will be up on the screen. Mark 15, 21 says, And they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander, and of who? Rufus. Most likely, this was the same Rufus who was with the the son of Simon of Cyrene, who is now a follower of Jesus. How cool is that? So we're diverse in background. It doesn't matter where you come from. You're, You're welcomed in Christ if you come to him. But we're also diverse in role. We're diverse in background. But Paul says in a diverse family, we're diverse in role too. Notice how he describes his friend's role. He says, Phoebe was a benefactor. She was a patron, meaning Phoebe had stacks on stacks on stacks. She was really, really wealthy. And so because of that, she used her resources in order to fund missionary journeys. She was a huge proponent of Paul's missionary journeys and in other ways and so if God has given you great resources there's nothing to be ashamed of there but like Phoebe use that for the kingdom of God use that so that missions will be sent forth so that people can be taken care of we're diverse in role look at how he describes Prissa and Aquila He says that they were fellow workers of his. And when do we find that? If you write down or look later in Acts chapter 18, we find that Prissa and Aquila were actually tent makers. They were tent makers with Paul. And they had remained in Ephesus even when Paul left Ephesus. And what does the end of Acts chapter 18 show us? That they poured themselves into a man named Apollos who would be a great church leader all throughout the first century. Then we, we, we see other people that, that they were beloved. And one person, one commentator actually points out that there are most likely five house churches listed in this one chapter. Five different churches are listed in this one chapter. People opened up their homes for the purpose of the gospel. I don't know what your role is in this church, but I know you have one, and and I know that, that God has a purpose for you at this particular time, whether it be financial, whether it be through serving in a certain way, whether it be through opening up your home, whatever it is, I want you to begin to continue to follow in the way that Christ would have you, and so we are a diverse family, and finally, As we look at verse 16, it says, we are a loving family. He says, greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. In this section, 18 times he uses the word greet. 18 of them. And 17 of them are a command. So he's telling the churches, greet this person. Do it. Like you don't have a you don't you don't even have a a, a reason not to because I'm telling you to do it. And He so says, uh, "Greet them," and it's actually the second person plural, which means it's y'all greet everybody. Greet. There's no y'all in in, in Greek, but there should be because it, it is truly saying y'all everybody greet one another with a holy kiss. Now through the years we've had different. We've had to do different types of greetings, right? In, in, in Europe, the, they may kiss each other on the cheek, but in the pandemic, we had the shoe tap, we had the elbow bump, you know, was even, you were, if you fist bumped during that time, I mean, it was like, this guy, this guy, who wants to kill me, and It's ridiculous. But now, thankfully, as we move past it, now we have what's called the Anthony hug. Where's Anthony at? There's Anthony, right? If you're in here and you haven't been greeted by Anthony's hug yet, then just wait. Because this chapter gives him free reign to hug, (laughs) right? He says, greet one another with a holy kiss. Now that doesn't have to be, I'm not telling you guys to go just kiss each other all the time. But what Paul is saying, the truth, the principle behind it, is that there should be a warmth and an affection in the way that we greet and know one another. When during our greeting time, and here in a second, guess what? The only way I knew to respond to this text is by actually making us greet one another. So we're going to do like an old-fashioned greeting time in a second. It's going to be awesome. I warned some people earlier that that are going to be uncomfortable with it, and I'm like, That's too bad. Paul says to do it. So you got to greet. Sorry, Tyler. (laughs) And and so he says, with great affection and warmth, greet one another. He says the way we treat each other really, really matters. The way we love one another really, really matters. And so we are to welcome one another, and we we are welcomed into the church family, and we are called to welcome one another into the church family. So remember who you are. You in Christ are a part of God's family. You're a part of this church family by God's grace. And secondly, remember this is an instruction to obey. As we see guests and new people come in here, remember it is not just my primary responsibility to greet them, but it is yours as a church family to greet them and to be aware of them and to love one another well. So no matter uh, what your baggage is, no matter what your history is, no matter what your background is, your mistakes, your heritage, your family named, you're welcome into Christ's family through his grace. And so that's what Paul has for us as he begins to wrap up and close. And here's how I want to wrap up and close. Here's, here's the response that I would have for us. If you're here and you are in Christ, here's what I want you to do. There's going to be a slide on this. Grease someone you don't know well, meaning probably not the people